Well, it's a good Sunday to be here, or if you're tuning in. We're starting a new series. I usually teach on a topic for four or five, six weeks. And so we're starting a new one today, and it's titled Emotions. And today's specific topic is heart issue, heart issue. Now, have you discovered that you don't like to be told what to do? In fact, who likes to be told what to do? I got no hands in the first service, no hands in this service. Parents, how long does it t- take you to figure out your child doesn't like to be told what to do? By one-year-old, probably? I've got four of them. I have a little experience. <laughs> we don't like to be told what to do. So, consequently, we all are. Uh, it's part of living in a society, a culture. But I got thinking about the last 15 months, and It's been more emotional than any other time I can remember. And part of that reason, I believe, is because we've been told a lot of things what to do that we didn't want to do, right? Emotional. Now, part of that issue is that part of our American dream is what I'm going to call is autonomy. We all want to do what we want to do. We all want to have jobs we like. We all want to marry who we want to marry. We want to go where we want to go. We want to spend our money in the way we want to spend our money. And hopefully we'll get plenty of that money so we can do what we want to do. Nobody can tell us that we can't. That's an alluring, attractive uh, dream. And part of that is we want to call our own shots, right? And we're under the delusion, I believe it's a delusion, that when I get to call my own shots, I'm going to call all the right shots. (laughs) I'm going to make all the right decisions. I'm going to do the right, all the right things. So once I call my own shots, I'll call all the right ones. Of course, that's not true, but that's a delusion we're under. And we look at other people that seem to have the autonomy to do whatever they want. They have enough money, lots of money. That's part of part of the uh, caveat, I guess. And we're baffled by the fact that sometimes they do stupid stuff, and sometimes that stuff is so stupid they lose their money or they get put in jail, and they had all this autonomy, and now it's gone. And we're convinced that if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't have made those, those same mistakes. And I'll, I guess an unpleasant part of us, and we're kind of happy when that happens to them, right? when they lose their money or they wind up in jail, that's what you deserve. Uh, Hopefully not too long. Hopefully we're concerned about them. And we think, well, they, they must have had people telling them what that was a bad idea. Why didn't they take their advice? And the issue is we all take advice. The problem is we don't take good advice sometimes. In fact, most of the time when we get into trouble, it's why. Why do you and I get in trouble? It's not because we don't listen to good advice. It's because we listen to our whose advice? Our own advice, which sometimes is good, sometimes not so good. When it isn't so good is because our emotions get involved. Our emotions distort our evaluation of what's going on. And so consequently, we do dumb stuff. We make mistakes. And we, we'll, we'll blurt out, or somebody else will blurt out, <clears throat> you did what? <laughs> what were you thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. 
Well, I can almost guarantee you some negative emotion was involved that resulted in what you and I did wrong or messed up. So, this series is going to be about how, how to. I'm going to try and give you a how to, help you out, help myself out. How to say no to emotions that seek to control us. Because that's what they do. Emotions sometimes take over us, don't they? So let me ask you a simple question. What are some of the emotions that compete for control of your life? There's usually most of us have some dominant emotion that gets us into trouble. And they usually surface when we're under stress or when we're tired. And so it might be anger, it might be envy, it may be lust, it may be, it could be lots of different ones. But what is yours? What is the emotion, or maybe there's more than one, <laughs> that seek to control your life, that drives you to do things you, under normal circumstances you wouldn't do, or if you were thinking about them, you wouldn't do? We all battle these. We all struggle with these. <clears throat> so, in this series, <laughs> uh, we're going to try and help you with that. Now, most of us, as adults anyway, we have learned how to monitor our behavior. By that I mean, we're careful about some of the things we say and do, for example, so we don't get in trouble at school, or we don't get in trouble with our employer, or we don't get in trouble with our parents, or even better, so we can get our parents to let us do the stuff we want to do. Or we'll monitor our behavior so that gal or that guy will go out with me. Especially then we'll monitor our behavior so they'll go out with us the second time and the third time. And we monitor our behavior so that person will marry us. And then we monitor our behavior so that person stays married to us. So we're pretty good at that. We mess up sometimes, but we're pretty good at monitoring behavior. But in this series, we're going to see that Jesus is going to invite us to take the monitoring to a whole nother level. Not just monitoring what comes out, what we say and what we do, but monitor what's inside, because what comes out is determined by what's inside. And if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, we're glad that you're listening. I, I believe a lot of this stuff will be helpful to you, and we hope you become a Jesus follower. But as Jesus followers, this is not optional. This is commanded. And it's going to shape the people that you and I are. That's why it's so important. Jesus says it's so important. Let me just put this, I thought was kind of cute statement on the, on the screen, on your outline. So if what Jesus says is true, Shouldn't be any if is involved when it comes to what Jesus says, right? But if what Jesus says is true, we all have some work to do in this particular area that we're talking about. We all have regrets. Most of those regrets can be traced back to negative emotions. So today, um, we're going to look at an incident in the life of Jesus. We're going to look at Matthew's uh, recording of this event. Um, Matthew didn't start out real well, as we talked about before. He was a tax collector, which mean, meant he was hated by everybody in his town, and he was considered a traitor. And Jesus comes along and invites him to be one of his followers. Now, 
On the plus side, Matthew was probably an educated person. He probably was wealthy enough to have people working for him. So it would have been a simple process to record what happened and to have it written down. So it's kind of a long story. We'll go through it pretty quickly. It's in Matthew, if you want to follow along in some other text, uh, other translation. This is Matthew chapter 15. Folks have been around here for a while. We've covered this, this story before. <clears throat> so, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. So, Jesus is outside of Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus has become pretty popular. It's about the middle, middle of his ministry. And so, he, he, he came to Jerusalem, but he ministered mostly in the north. And so, the religious leaders came to see Jesus because he was so popular, right? They wanted to follow him too? <laughs> no. When you are a religious leader and people are following you and then they start following somebody else, what is your tendency you want to do? Get those followers back. So their intention is not, we would say, very honorable. <laughs> They're not there to support Jesus. They're there to kind of trap Jesus or trick Jesus for the purpose of getting the people that are following him to stop following him and come back to following them. And so they usually came up with a, what they thought was a really good question to trap Jesus and get Jesus to say something that the people would stop following. <laughs> it didn't seem to work, but they kept trying. So here's the question. Why do your disciples... Wait a minute. <laughs> we haven't finished yet. Thank you. Why do your disciples <clears throat> disobey, bad word, right? Religious circles, disobeying is a bad word. They're disobeying. What are they disobeying? An age-old tradition. Hmm. They ignore our, our, not God's. <laughs> they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. All right? So let me explain this a little bit about this oral tradition. Or it's called an oral tradition. So the religious leaders had these rules or laws or whatever you might want to call them, traditions, <clears throat> no do's and don'ts, but they weren't written down. In fact, they were forbidden to be written down. So only this small group of people had access to them, and they would pass them on, and they would, I would say, adjust them, if you want, and tweak them, all with the purpose of being the ones that knew, being in control, and the other people, the peon people, the normal people, like you and I, wouldn't know. And so this one's particular tradition was, you got to do this, not hand washing to get your hands clean, but ceremonial hand washing before you eat. Otherwise, you're on God's no-no list if you don't do this. So this was what they're talking about. And Jesus' disciples didn't do it. So they're saying, oh, this is terrible. Your disciples don't do this. So Jesus buys into this, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's terrible. I'm going to start teaching them to do this. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't buy into this. In fact, he turns it around on them. <clears throat> Let's move on to the text. Here's Jesus' response. And why do you? All right, you're going to condemn my disciples. Why do you? by these traditions, violate the direct commandments of God. So you see what he's done? These are your 
commands, your traditions. And he says, well, they might be okay, but in this case, they're not okay. In fact, they violate or they try and supersede the written commands of God. That would be our Old Testament. That was their Bible back in Jesus' day. And so he gives them an example of this. He doesn't use the hand-washing one. He uses a different one. One of the big ten, right? Ten commandments is honor your father and mother. And then there's another instruction in the Old Testament. My wife used to use this on our kids when they were still at home. Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. And she would say, hey, uh, don't speak, speak back to me, kids. If you're back in the Old Testament, we could stone you. But anyway, um, I don't know how well it worked, but she used to use it. Um, a couple of my kids are here. You can ask them. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he goes on to explain what he's talking about here. He says, and the text goes on. <clears throat> you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, can't help you. What are they talking about? Well, they've made a vow to give to God what I would have given to you. This is their argument. So in their tradition, you could like will your estate to the synagogue or the temple, but you could use it forever you wanted until you died, and then it would belong to the temple. So technically, you could do what you wanted. So if you wanted to use it as an excuse, you would basically, in this case, instead of helping your parents, you would say, sorry, it belongs to the temple. I can't help you with it. <laughs> Seems kind of silly to us, right? But that's what they would do. So in this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. They can let them starve if they want. Now, notice this next phrase. And so, in doing this, you cancel. You cancel it out. You cancel out the Word of God. You know, you, you might cancel your favorite TV show. It's just, there's not going to be any more episodes, right? It's canceled. Well, in this case, they're canceling out the Word of God for the sake of their own traditions. So, Jesus has turned it around on them. He's made them look... Not so good. And then he uses a word, a very harsh word. He says, you're hypocrites. You're hypocrites. Because you are making rules that you can control to supersede uh, God's rules. And then he quotes from the, their Bible, the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Isaiah. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. So when Isaiah wrote 600 years ago, he was, it, what he wrote applies to you folks today. These people, you, you folks, honor me with your lips. Well, they say the right things, or they try and say the right things. But, now here's the issue. This is kind of where we're going with this series. But their hearts are far from me. So you've rigged the game, so to speak. You set up these rules so that you can be in control, and people think you're, you know, you're close to God. But in reality, you're not close to God. You're far from God. You're trying to manipulate people. Manipulating people isn't a godly thing, so you're hypocrites. And then he goes on. He, he's not finished. He says, your worship is a farce. It's not real. It's of no value. For you teach man-made ideas. These aren't God's ideas. These are ideas you've made up. They're man-made. But you present them as God's commands. Um, 
horrible. So Jesus got a crowd around him. Again, the Pharisees are trying to get the crowd to turn against Jesus. If you're in the crowd, how are you feeling right now? Now, they respected the Pharisees, but I'm sure they didn't like all these, these rules. And so when Jesus put them in their place, I'm thinking, hey, go get them, Jesus. <laughs> so he says to the crowd, listen, try to understand what I'm trying to say. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, puts you on God's no-no list. It's not what, what, what you eat. You are defiled by what? Good question. By the words that come out of your mouth. And then it's kind of like Jesus drops the mic and walks off. No response. He didn't get a chance for them to respond. Now, the disciples figured this. They understood exactly what Jesus was talking about, right? No. As often they didn't. They, they didn't understand. And it's, it's understandable why they didn't understand. So the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask. <clears throat> now, don't, this is kind of a silly question, and you and I do this sometimes. We say, God, don't you realize what's going on in my life? <laughs> do, you, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? I called them hypocrites. I think I understood. Um, but they didn't want to offend the Pharisees. They were hoping to get in. Good, and they were hoping Jesus would get in with the religious leaders because they wanted to be religious leaders. <clears throat> so I just su suggest you never ask God, do you realize? Because God knows everything. <clears throat> so the text goes on. Jesus uses kind of a, a common e expression. He said, well, at first he said they're blind guides. All right, they're trying to, they don't understand, and, and they're trying to teach you, and they don't even understand. And then this is a common expression. Um, the uh, blind guides lean the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they are both, both fall into a ditch. So it's kind of a, gee, I think it's humor. Can you imagine? Oh, I'm a blind guy. Uh, here, let me help you. And the other person's blind, and nothing good can come from that. Just disaster, right? And that's what Jesus referred to these religious leaders as. Blind, you know, they don't know where they're going, and they're trying to take you with them can't end well now was jesus doing away with the law the there's all these dietary food laws in the old testament was jesus saying you don't have to pay any attention to that is that what jesus is teaching well of course not because jesus kept all those dietary laws he had to because he had to be the perfect sacrifice for us so jesus kept all those real dietary Laws are laws about what you put in your mouth. He didn't break those. He wasn't telling the people to break those. But he said, that's what, not what's most important. So Peter, usually a spokesman for the disciples, comes to Jesus and says, okay, explain to us the he used parable. It's kind of like a story we don't understand that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Because again, he, he knew all these Old Testament laws. And Jesus kind of, I think again with a little bit of humor, <laughs> said, don't you get this? Uh, don't you understand yet? One translation says, are you so dull? Are you so slow? <laughs> uh, they seem to be. So Jesus is patient. He says, okay, let me explain this to you. Anything you eat passes through your stomach and goes out into the sewer. 
disciples said, we're not that dense. We understand that. I mean, we, we experience that every day. All right, got you so far. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what can defile you. So what's important? What goes in or most important? Or what comes out? So let me put it this way. God's primary concern is not how our, our behavior affects him. Somehow, I think, and preacher types like me maybe have presented this, you and I go around sometimes thinking, oh, I didn't do that, God's not happy. Oh, oh, I did this, God's happy. I think it's pretty arrogant to think that God's mood goes up and down with every little thing you and I do or don't do, don't you? And it's easy to fall into that trap. So God's primary concern is not how our behavior affects him. I, think, I don't think our behavior affects him much at all. It's not my job to keep God happy. So, do you want to know what puts you and I at odds with God? What do you think it is? Well, I'm put, put it this way in your outline. What comes out of our mouths can put us at odds with God. Can, not always. Put us at odds with God or put us at odds with other people, which then consequently puts us at odds with God. One thing we know, probably more than anything else from Scripture, is God loves everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for. So you and I don't love everybody. <laughs> Jesus doesn't even love our enemies. You and I, speaking for myself, I, you know, it's tough for, to love some people. But God loves everybody. He loves that person at work you don't like or that person at school <laughs> or a family member maybe. God loves everyone. So when you and I do anything that brings less than love to another person, has the potential to put us at odds with God. So, what's the source of the problem? Why do you and I not love everybody? Well, it's in here, right? And we say things and we say afterwards, well, I didn't really mean it. It came out. It had to be in. And what happens is our emotions weaken that resolve we have or that control we have. You know, when, I, when, I, when I'm not emotional, when I'm in control, I wouldn't say those dumb things. When I got emotional, I lost control, and I said things, even if I say I didn't really mean it. So bottom line is this. Everything begins with a thought. Now, let me explain a little bit to you. When the Bible uses the word heart, it's referring to, well, use it two different ways, but in this case, you're talking about our minds. In the Bible, the Old Testament especially, when it talks about emotions, it talks about your stomach or your bowels. You ever get butterflies in your stomach? That's because you're emotional, right? So it makes sense. So they, the, they, they talked about the heart uh, or the center of your thoughts as your heart. So it's going to make sense with the next thing Jesus said. So the next verse is this. For from the heart comes evil what? Thoughts. 
again. And so he gives us a list of some. Some of them are on that top ten list. Murder, that's on there. Adultery's on there. All sexual immorality. Uh, theft, that's on there. Lying's on there. Slander, I believe one form is on there. Now Mark also has an account of, the, of this incident. And he has a, has a longer list. So I thought I'd add those. Greed, wickedness, envy, pride, and foolishness. I particularly like that word foolishness because I've seen a lot of foolishness lately in our society and in our government in the last 15 months. It's a lot of foolishness, just silliness, dumb stuff, right? He said, these come from, we would say mind, he says heart. It all starts with thoughts. And these are what defile you. Didn't wash your hands before you eat? No big deal, okay? Eating with unwashed hands, they'll never defile you. Now let me stop for a second and talk about this, though. Rituals, if they're meaningful to you, are important. And all religion has rituals. Even people that aren't religious have rituals that are meaningful to them. Um, someone in my small group shared this with us this week. She had a great aunt or somebody that always prayed on her knees, got down on her knees whenever she prayed, which is a ritual. I don't normally pray on my knees. Um, maybe you do. But anyway, her knees got bad, and the doctor said he wanted to replace her knees, but once he replaced her knees, she couldn't pray on her knees anymore. You know what she did? She didn't get the knee replacement. We asked, well, how, much, how long or much longer did she live? She lived about another six years. But her kneeling as praying was more important to her than getting the knees, knee, knee replacements. Now, on the other hand, so God's up there in heaven, and she's praying on her knees, and this, guy's not, this gal's not praying on her knees, and God's saying, oh, I've got to answer her prayer because she's on her knees, and this one isn't. No. See, our rituals don't affect God but if our rituals are beneficial to us, then please, hold on to them. So the bottom line is this. How we treat others makes all the difference. When I mistreat others, I am defiled, using that religious word, with God. So in this series, what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and practice monitoring. But in this case, not simply monitoring what comes out, our actions, our words. But we're going to try and learn how to monitor what? Our hearts. What's in here. Because it's really great because when you monitor what comes in here, you don't have to worry about monitoring what comes out. Now, I came across a phrase I really like. What you and I need to say in our minds, in our heads, whatever, when we're struggling with things in our hearts, emotions, whatever, is you're not the boss of me. So, I shared last week that you struggle with anger. Anger, you're not the boss of me. Envy, you're not the boss of me. Lust, you're not the boss of me. Insecurity, you're not the
the boss of me. Fear, you're not the boss of me. And I got to thinking, how different my, my life, for example, would have been, and my sisters here, our lives would have been, if our mom didn't struggle with anger. We'd have a much more pleasant childhood. Then I got to thinking, well, I'm a parent, and how different my children's upbringing would have been if I hadn't struggled with anger. So, emotion, you're not the boss of me. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, again, if you're not, we're glad you're listening or watching. Warning, Jesus followers, warning. This is a big deal. Big deal. The reason it's a big deal is this. You already have a boss. I already have a boss. It's not emotions. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Lord means what? Boss. What it means. So I want to end up with this this morning. Something Jesus said in another place. And I want to make application to this area uh, of emotions. Especially negative emotions. <clears throat> Jesus said then, Come to me, all of you who are weary, tired, worn out, battling your emotions, or emotions controlling you. Just tired of your emotions controlling you. Wonderful promise. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. We can stop the battle. Take my yoke upon you. What do you mean by yoke? Take on my way of living. Do it my way. Let me teach you. Yeah, we, I, I need to learn, Jesus. Teach me. Why can I learn from you, Jesus? Because you are humble and gentle at heart. And then, again, we'll receive rest for our souls. And notice this last part. Jesus says, my yoke, my way of doing things is easy to bear. It's easier to bear than the way you've been doing it. And the burden I give you is light. Take on my Don't be bossed around by your emotions. So right now, right now, and we all live in some form of community. We all have family, friends, colleagues. Right now, the people closest to you, whoever they are, are experiencing the overflow of your heart. Maybe good. Hopefully it is. At least some of it's good. But also some of it it's not so good. And other people having to deal with it. So I'm going to challenge you to take responsibility to those things. So here's kind of your take home homework assignment if you will. Please just take sometime this week and do, do this. Seriously consider what is overflowing and how it is affecting those around you. If your marriage or spouse will tell you, right? <laughs> just ask them. <laughs> They'll tell you real quick. Your kids will tell you. Your parents will tell you. 
But spend some time with God. Like, seriously. Because if I asked you, would you like your relationships to be better? We'd all say yes. This is one of the keys to making a relationship better. So, that's all the time we have today. We'll continue this topic. I'll give you a heads up. We're going to talk about guilt. On these negative emotions, we're going to talk about guilt next week. Let me pray with you. <clears throat> Father God, thank you. We thank you for uh, this, this incident in life of Christ where he taught us this important principle that uh, you know, it's not mostly about how we affect you, God. It's how we affect other people. And the way we affect other people then affects you. Puts us at odds with you. God, we're so thankful that you forgive us. Uh, hopefully other people are as, as merciful and gracious as you are when we have to ask forgiveness for something dumb we've done or, or something we said that we shouldn't have said. <clears throat> and so we ask for help. Help us. Teach us how to do heart work or mind work. To deal with that negative stuff. We thank you for emotions. There's some great emotions, God. But we have others that we struggle with. <clears throat> and as always, we'd like to pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower that you would maybe just take a step closer. Say, this all makes sense to me. This Jesus guy, he's pretty, pretty smart. He wants to make my life better. And ideally, you step across that line, accept your gift of salvation, and enter into a relationship with God that will go on for eternity. All because of what Jesus has done. Conquering death, dying, and then raising from the dead. So God, we got a challenging week as always ahead of us. We know that you go with us. We pray that you would empower us to honor you with our lives, to honor those around us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>